As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Well, we put you on the map. This is Ron Costa broadcasting live in Las Vegas from the Mappable USA studios. And folks, I got to tell you, we've kind of been so busy over the last couple of weeks with all this crowdfunding activity. Last weekend, I went to a crowdfunding conference and basically spent the last couple of days just following up on the hundreds of business cards that I created over the whole place and met a lot of really interesting people. And today's show is no different. We're going to continue on with this whole crowdfunding theme. But today, we're going to do it from a kind of like a legal aspect as well, because like everything else in the world, when you start doing something, you've got to have a lawyer involved somehow. <laughs> so today we've got Mark Roderick on the line from Flash the Greenberg. Mark, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well, thanks. How are you? Great, great. So now you guys are uh, you're out of New Jersey, I believe, right? You're on the, uh, the East Coast, right? Yep, that is right. Beautiful autumn day here on the East Coast. Um, just outside Philadelphia is where I'm sitting, looking out at a beautiful retention pond from my window. <laughs> oh, perfect, perfect. Well, listen, hopefully you're, you're, you're more of an Eagles fan than a New York Giants fan then. <laughs> I sure am. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, folks, we also have Vicki Hutchmiller on the line as well. Vicki, uh, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm, I'm doing great. I mean, how can you not have a fabulous day in Vegas when it's 80 degrees and it's sunny and perfect fall weather? I agree. I agree. <laughs> so so let's, let's get into this whole conversation. Uh, but Mark, why don't you tell us about yourself first and, and about Blaster Greenberg and what you guys are, are doing in the crowdfunding world. Sure. Well, it was a clear blue day when I was born. You want me to go that far back? <laughs> oh, uh, we, only, we, don't, we don't have that long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I have, uh, I have been immersed in the crowdfunding world since it began about five years ago. I, have, I spend 127% of my time exactly in the crowdfunding world, um, and it's all, all I've been doing for the last five years. So I'm you know, involved in every aspect of all kinds of crowdfunding, and I write a big crowdfunding blog, and I'm just always, always immersed in it. Um, my, my law firm is a uh, you know, full-service commercial law firm. We do 
all kinds of stuff. Of course, we only represent good guys, never represent bad guys. Absolutely. But, um, yeah, we do, we do all kinds of business, you know, business stuff, corporate law. Um, and included in that is an active securities law practice, and crowdfunding is part of that. Yeah, I'll tell you what, uh, this, is, this is a good podcast for people to listen to then because it sounds like we're going to get hit on every angle here, which is great. So, so okay, so Mark, you found out about the Jobs Act and, and, and you kind of like embraced it. Is that, is that what got you interested in this whole thing, or were you in this thing before that? Yeah, no, I, um, I, I have always represented entrepreneurs. That's sort of, you know, been my practice, um, and uh, including a lot of, you know, real estate developer, entrepreneur types. And when you represent entrepreneurs, you represent people who are often seeking to raise capital. So I've been helping on the legal side, helping entrepreneurs raise capital for many years. And so when I saw the Jobs Act on the horizon, I said to myself, ha ha, this is going to be transformative because when it when all is said and done, I say this all the time, fortunately there are a lot of complicated rules around it because otherwise, yeah, right. how would I earn a living? But <laughs> the JOBS Act and crowdfunding is just the Internet. It's just using the Internet to raise capital or the Internet coming to the capital formation industry. It, just as it's come to all these other industries, hotels and taxi cabs and finding a spouse and uh, everything else we do online. So it was inevitable that, that the Internet was going to come to capital formation. And it, I, I said to Mike, you know, this is, this is going to transform a multi-trillion dollar industry. So that's how I got into crowdfunding, because I thought it would be really, really cool and exciting and disruptive. And it has turned out to be all those things. Uh, no question about it. And uh, are you seeing a lot of, of movement right now with Regulation A plus, or is it Reg CF, or is there any particular uh, vehicle that most of your clients are trying to pursue? Well, all, I mean, all of the above. The the greatest volume continues to be in what we call Title II crowdfunding, which is the wild, wild west version, where which is only open to accredited investors. It's easy, it's simple, it's fast, it's inexpensive. So um, that's, you know, that's the most popular kind of, of online capital formation. Um, Reg CF, you know, is its, is its own animal. There is certainly a lot of activity in that space. I represent a lot of people in that space. But it's, as you and your listeners probably know, it is, a, it is unique. It's, you know, little companies raising small amounts of money so it, it's kind of a little niche and then regulation a definitely um definitely big i i think there's some misconceptions about about regulation a from wall street's point of view but i am doing a lot of yeah. regulation a offerings um and as is true with the other kinds of crowdfunding it's just it's a question of, you know, investor education, the sort of retail public becoming aware that there are these terrific opportunities that they've never had before. Yeah, and then there's also uh, issuer education, too, because one of the problems that I see with Reg A 
is that a lot of the these issuers who want to start to get into this, they think they can do it on a shoestring, where it really, uh, you know, to do it successfully, it's something that you're going to have to spend you know, quite a lot of money in, into. It's still, it's not like uh, you would have a traditional IPO, but these people are still spending significant amounts, and they're, they're thinking that they can get in with, uh, with basically nothing and then have like zero marketing dollars, and that's really what the differentiator is for a successful one versus a failure. At least that's, that's what I'm seeing. You are a thousand percent correct about that. Um, so from the beginning of crowdfunding, I have always said, if you look at my, like my earliest presentations way back, were crowdfunding. Uh, I haven't seen them yet. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, hopefully you never will, because maybe I said some wrong stuff too. So I'm just quoting selectively. But, you know, I, I said crowdfunding is not a technology business. It's not a real estate business. Crowdfunding is a marketing business. So you are absolutely right. People call me and say, well, how much is it going to cost? That's the first, you know, usually the first yes. words out of everyone's mouth. And what they mean is how much are the legal and accounting fees going to be? Correct. And what I try to make as clear as I can in the first phone call <laughs> is that is not your major cost by any means. You, you, you have to be willing to spend a lot of money, like multiples, many multiples of the legal and accounting budget marketing, because it is not build it and they will come in these things. Um, you, you know, there's, <laughs> there are a lot of people trying to sell stuff online, and a lot of what they're trying to sell online is a lot sexier than securities. So to get people to come to your website and buy your securities, you know, it's that is a that is a yeah. big hurdle. It's a cost, well, well, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And, and besides the investor and issuer education that we like to do on Mappable USA with these uh, different uh, people that we bring on, uh, we we also think, and, and Vicky in particular, uh, we we think that educating the, the the audience out there is really important. That's one of the reasons why we put up the the ReggaeCrowdfunding.com website. And Vicky, that's going to be more of kind of like a news and a, and a, <clears throat> a resource for, for anyone involved in crowdfunding. Is that right? Exactly, because we believe, just like, like you've said, that if people don't know that there's an opportunity out there that can help them with whatever it is that they're doing, they're selling, whatever services, nobody knows that you're there. Nobody can use your services or buy your product. So we want to try and make a, a concerted effort to educate the public so that it helps everybody involved in, in the process. And that's a challenge. It is. And, and now, Mark, what kind of industries are you, are you looking at in terms of the number of people who are getting into this crowdfunding? Is it real estate? Is it medical? Is it just, the, just basically everybody? Or what, what are you seeing out there in Jersey in your firm? Well, um, crowdfunding is uh, and has been almost since the beginning. Has, you know, a good 90% of the volume in crowdfunding uh, is, is real estate. It, it continues to be. Um, you know, in the very beginning, people thought crowdfunding was going to be about Silicon Valley and, and tech companies and so yeah. forth, um, yeah. and it was not. It, you know, that, that never happened. Um, of course, there is some, some technology companies doing successful crowdfunding, but by far the greatest volume is in real estate, and probably because people you know, can see it on their screen. There's a picture of a building. It's a real thing. They feel comfortable investing in it from 2,000 miles away. So 
Mm-hmm. It is mostly real estate, but then after real estate, all kinds of stuff. You know, uh, technology and and medical and and everything you can think of. You know, in the Reg CF <laughs> space, there's one clear winter winner, and that is breweries. People who make beer. That's what we love. We love craft breweries. <laughs> craft craft breweries. <laughs> so, and <laughs> no, you can no, totally. It makes total sense. You know, the local investors. Of course. I mean, I I have a local brewery in in my little town. So, um, but but that's unique to to the Reg CF world. You think Boy, it's you, a Mark, difference yeah. if you have a, an entity that has a fan base that's built in? There's a lot of people who like uh, craft beer. There's a lot of people already there. So if you're a brewery and you have customers that love your beer, that's like a, an instant, okay, let's crowdfund with you because you love me. I love your money. Yeah, that's exactly right. And – and, and this is also kind of part of the Reg CF world. A lot of those investors, um, let's just say they have mixed motives about investing. And I don't mean that in a negative or pejorative sense at all. I mean they like the beer. And oh. if investing in this micro craft brewery brings good beer to their town and it sticks around a while, they're they're not that – um, I, I mean, I'm, I'm sort of trying to get inside their their heads. They're they they're not looking for a ten times return on their money. Um, probably no, if, the, if I'm sorry, go ahead. They want they want to be personally involved in what it is they're investing, so that they know and can realize what they're earning. And if you can bring beer into and I can drink a beer and, and I can invest in your company, I have a personal commitment to you, and that makes it easier. Um, well, and, and, and there's a lot of breweries out there that just they have a really great following to be in with. They have a lot of evangelists. Even if you go on some of their Facebook fan pages, Mark, I'm sure you see this, where they, they have 5,000, 10,000, 20,000 people liking them. That's that's, that's, that's pretty strong. But, uh, you know, we, we talked about this so many times. Uh, you know, building the crowd is really the big step here in terms of, of, of crowdfunding. You've got to build your crowd first, uh, which, which brings me to an, another question I wanted to ask you about. Uh, this, I mentioned the show earlier when I started the show off that I went to a conference in Santa Monica this weekend, and basically the whole show revolved around the word um, tokenization and security token offerings. Now you're 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 familiar with those as well, right? You're very you, familiar. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. I know you. I know you're familiar with them because I, I actually saw one of your blog posts where you mentioned um, a bunch of of, uh, of of good things that these tokens can do, right? So, yes. um, what a security token can do? Can you go over maybe what you think the three best parts of what a security token can do for you in terms of like raising money and crowdfunding? Yeah, and, and I could talk much longer than you want me to about the idea of uh, security tokenization because, as you know, the world of uh, blockchain and cryptocurrency and tokens has just uh, almost consumed, you know, everything else over, everything. over the last yeah. over the last eighteen Absolutely. months. Yeah. So. Um, 
uh, and you know there there are yeah there's good parts of it and real solid parts of it, and then there's a huge amount of fluff and over you know exaggeration and over promising and to tell you the truth unfortunately a fair amount of outright fraud in that space which i guess is going to be true anytime you have all those all those dollars sloshing around but anyway so um tokenizing a security is it's really just at its most basic form. It's just about how you keep track of the security. Like, do you keep track of it in a little, in a little piece of paper by writing a chart? You know, Bob owns three shares, Ted owns nine shares. Do you keep track of it in an Excel spreadsheet? Do you keep track of it in a SQL database? Or do you keep track of it on the blockchain? And um, if you keep track of it on a blockchain, then we call it tokenized. Now, once we tokenize a security, we can do a lot of things with it. To answer your question, the most important thing is we can keep track of it. We, we have a foolproof, subject to hacking, of course, we have a foolproof method for keeping track of that security. So that's, that's a super, super important thing. Um, second, and kind of a, a uh, corollary of the first, is it makes it easier to have an exchange. It, it makes it easier to buy and you know, have secondary sales of that, of that security because it's so easy and foolproof to, to keep track of. And, and then we can start doing stuff with it because it's it's a just it's an electronic it's a digital uh, asset and we can attach to that digital asset all kinds of attributes you know our our token that represents a share of stock in the company can have the financial statements of the company attached or it can have photographs of the project attached or it can automatically receive the security itself in your digital wallet can have the functionality to receive dividends, for example. So we, we can attach all kinds of digital attributes to the, um, to the security once it is tokenized. What it, once it's digitized and kept track of on a blockchain, we can do all these cool things with it. Now, um, I, I'll just, you know, just add, you know, the, and it still has to be valuable. We don't, <laughs> we don't buy a security because it's cool, right? Um, you know, we don't buy a Tesla because it's cool. We, if, if, if Tesla were just cool, but it didn't get you from point A to point B, we wouldn't buy it. So. Uh, that's kind of where yeah. the distinction between hype and reality in the blockchain world comes in. You never want to buy a security merely because it's cool, because it's tokenized, because you'd, you'd much rather have a really boring security that's actually going to go up in value. Well, correct, correct. And, and then these functionalities that you're talking about, these attachments to the, to the token, is that what people refer to as smart contracts? Is that the, the term that they use? Um, sort of. Um, everything that happens um, 
on a blockchain is done through what are called smart contracts, which are really just algorithms that say, if X happens, then we do Y. So, for example, if, if um, you know, once someone clicks a button, then a dividend gets paid um, automatically with, with no further human intervention. That's, that's the idea of a smart contract. It's not really a contract. It's just, just a little computer program that, Got it. that executes automatically. It's, you know what it's like? It's like when the temperature in your house goes down to a certain level and your heating system clicks on. That's, that's kind of a smart contract. Kind of like a vending machine where you put a doll, uh, a quarter in and something comes out. And something comes out, yeah. And you By know way, what you it is that, that you're, you're, you want to come out because you've seen pictures or something uh, in the form of a smart contract that tells you when, when you do this, this is what's going to happen, so push the button and, and see what goes on. Yes, and, and the, the key being with 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 no need for human uh, intervention. So I deposit my cash, shares are delivered to me. So it's not possible technologically for the person who owns the shares to not deliver them to me. They, they don't have that power because it is built into the technology. It's built into the smart contract that once payment is made, I get something for it. Right. And that sounds like a double a double-edged sword, you think? It is. Yes, it is. And you don't um you know, technology is great except except when it isn't. And and <laughs> yes, <right>. you you, <laughs> you passwords for sure. You you don't <laughs> want, you know, you you don't want very complicated smart contracts because um, you want to be able to press pause, you know, to tell you the truth. Um, you can tell how, you can tell how uh, Mark, that you're on the East Coast and we're on the West Coast because in that last example that you used about the heater, you know, we yes. probably would have used an example the of air the air conditioner. conditioner. There you go. <laughs> but um, well, and if you're yeah, trying you're... to eliminate human intervention in your transactions through blockchain and cryptocurrencies, well, you've eliminated that if you make it too complicated where you need somebody to explain it to you. Or is um, that correct? Yes, that's, that's right. I mean, you know, one of – now we're getting delving further into the blockchain world, but one of the goals – sort of a philosophical goal of the blockchain is to de- is to decentralize to um take things out of the hands of of middlemen and sort of just make it all happen automatically you sometimes you know hear the the term trustless trustless systems, meaning a system in which nobody has to trust anybody else because it all just happens automatically. Um, And that's part of what smart contracts are about, because look, you don't have to trust that, you know, the person's going to deliver the shares of stock to you because there's a smart contract. And once you pay for them, they are delivered automatically. And, you know, even if the person delivering them is a bad person, 
it doesn't matter because the smart contract will take care of it. So that's that's one of the goals. And and now when that philosophy hits the real world, we we actually find that there are a lot of systems where we we do want a discretionary central authority. <laughs> you know, they, it, the world is a lot more complicated. Um, the, the the legal world and the world generally is a legal is a lot more complicated than a simple philosophy. So yeah. um, there's this tension. In fact, it's a tension built into the regulatory apparatus because the people at the very extreme end of the blockchain sort of ideology say, well, you know, governments shouldn't have the right to control what people do. And blockchain is about taking taking back control, say, from the Federal Reserve or from the banking system. And we should be able to do these things without government interference. And and the world doesn't work that way, you know. And, and yeah, it, yeah. <laughs> it, it just doesn't. And, and then you find that Yes, you know, some of those folks who wanted to act without government interference using Bitcoin were actually, you know, selling heroin on Silk Road. So, right. And you say, oh, darn, that's not what we meant. So it, yeah. it all gets quite complicated. There will always yeah, no, no question. who will take the opportunity on a good thing, whether it's crowdfunding or blockchain or what, to try as hard as they can to turn it into an opportunity to defraud somebody, to take advantage and, and manipulate people, just like the people trying to create the, the process and the platform for something good. There's always going to be somebody coming after trying to take advantage of it. It's not yes, absolutely. And, and, and I will say that in the crowdfunding world, crowdfunding as such, you know, Jobs Act stuff, Contrary to initial expectations, there has actually been almost zero fraud, wow. which has been fantastic. You know, that Congress was concerned that all these bad people were going to come into the market and, you know, steal money from, from widows and orphans. And, and it has been a remarkably clean industry. Knock on wood. Is there a uh, lot of SEC regulations uh, concerning uh, crowdfunding and uh, like Regulation A and the Jobs Act and that? Is there the same amount of regulation going on with the two different uh, platforms? Well, this is the thing. There are three different kinds of, um, of crowdfunding, and the answer is different for all three. Title Two, which is accredited investors only, has almost no regulation. Hmm. Um, it is wild, wild west, because the theory is today and always has been that accredited investors can protect themselves. So um, no SEC regulation there to speak of. In Title Three, which is the tiny sort of small companies raising small amounts of money online, there is actually a lot of a lot of regulation. Uh, those securities can only be sold through entities that are registered with the SEC and with FINRA. So a um, lot of regulation there. And then Regulation A is is very similar to a to a IPO, you know, a full public offering. So the SEC 
does take a very careful look at every Regulation A offering. So it, it varies from type to type, but so far we really haven't seen any fraud in any of them. That's incredible. Yeah, exactly. Like I said, let's hope it stays that way. So, Mark, let's, let's, uh, let's close this out just by one more question. If I'm, if I'm listening to this podcast, let's say I'm a business owner, I want to start crowdfunding, I may want to do a token or whatever, uh, and I obviously have to get my team together, at uh, what point do they usually contact you as, as a lawyer? Do I, what, what do they have to do before they contact you? Should they contact you right from the start to get this thing going? Well, when a business owner decides that he or she would, would like to raise money, um, that's the point to uh, start thinking about lawyers because when you raise money, you're going to when you raise money from investors, you know, you you you're going to be subject to a whole bunch of laws, the securities laws. So that's a good point to contact someone like me right in the beginning. That doesn't necessarily mean we'll start doing a lot of work together right away, but you will at least understand what the alternatives are, what's available, what you can do and what you can't do, which means you won't waste a lot of time going off in a, in a wrong direction. So that's really, as soon as you decide you want to raise money, that's the time to start talking with lawyers. Great, great. So see that we, we saved everyone's first step. Everybody listening to the podcast right now, they know to contact uh, Mark here. Uh, Mark, how do, how do people get a hold of you? It's a, Phone number, website, or what's the best way? Um, well, the uh, lots of different ways. Um, the best way, probably, and and you can learn a lot of stuff before you even have to talk to me, is to go to my blog, and I'm going to spell my blog, and it's it's a little hard to spell. So this is this is how it goes. It's www and then crowdfund. That's easy to spell. Crowdfund, all one word, and then attny dot com. So sort of an abbreviation for attorney. Crowdfund attny dot com. That's my blog. All my contact information is there. A link to my email. That'll be plenty. Great. Well, I got to tell you, I really. Thank you for all this information that you're giving us today. This is really a great, well, a really good show. I hope, uh, hope you become a friend of the show and come on many times, and we'll update the world with uh, the happenings there. Everybody should go to that blog for sure, because I, I, I've been there myself. And I'll, there'll be a link in the Mappable USA right up on this podcast, so people can go to that link and go directly to your blog and, and read your articles. There's some pretty good stuff there, I know you, you, and you update it uh, consistently, which is pretty, pretty nice. Yeah, I just I, I don't update it consistently enough, but I've written so many, like hundreds of articles on it that <laughs> hopefully that's everyone will find something interesting. But I really appreciate your having me on, and look forward to doing it again. Thank you so you much. Say, Was a pleasure, yeah, and we look forward to doing another podcast with you very soon. Yep, and folks out there, Vicky, uh, uh, we still need people to go to uh, reggaecrowdfunding.com to talk about news articles and submit their, their companies into our into the directory as well. The so direct everyone out there, one no. yeah, you're, listening, exactly, you're listening to the Mappable USA podcast at mappableusa.com. Go to the website, come follow us, and we really appreciate you guys listening to us. 
We'll be coming at you next week with another episode of the Mappable USA, where we put you on a map. Thanks for listening, and have a great week. Thanks, Sean. Thanks. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.